Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. I am traveling over 7,900 kilometers to Berlin, Germany, to meet up with my friend, Eglund, journalist and writer. Berlin is a center of politics, culture, media, and science. Home of the world-famous Berlin Opera, Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, and Museum Island, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Berlin is on my must-see places to visit once travel comes back. But for now, I am enjoying my virtual visit with Eglund. Eglund is an engineer and publicist. He worked as a science journalist and reporter in Africa for several German newspapers. Since 2005, his focus has been on environmental initiatives. As a specialist journalist for renewable energies, he works within media related to the ecological energy transition. First of all, about solar energy. We live in a world that offers many ways in which to connect and share knowledge and experience. As a journalist and writer, Eglin values authentic communication that fosters life-affirming conversations. What does it mean to communicate? What messages do we send? And do we know how to listen? These are the questions that will be discussed today. I invite you to put the kettle on and add to this exciting conversation on tea, toast, and trivia. Welcome, Eglund. I have been looking forward to this conversation. Pleasure's all mine. Eglund first appeared as a writer in 1993 when he won the essay prize for the mayor of Berlin, Kreuzberg. Is that how I pronounce it, Eglund? We say Kreuzberg. In English, it's Kreuzberg. Thank you for his short story, The Nun and Dine, and in 2009, his novel, Die Glockner von Utopia, was published. Could you explain what Glockner means? Glockner is a hunchback, and the title of the book is similar to The Hunchback of Notre Dame, this famous novel from Victor Hugo from Paris, because it's dealing with the change in East Germany at the end of the 80s, and it was a very similar chaotic situation as described in the book of Victor Hugo. And that's why I've chosen this title, because it's the beginning, the dawn of a new era. And it was. And you were there. Your second novel, Zen Zoller, was published in 2016. What was that about? That's about solar energy. And solar energy actually came from Japan. They were the first to build solar cells and solar modules. In this book, I try to combine a story about solar energy in Germany and Europe and about the way of Budo, which is coming from Japan. So it's an outer change in energy and an inner change in energy. And this is connected together, the inner side and the outer side of the same metal. So that's why it is Sen Solar as a title. And you have a third novel that's coming out this year, Normanden von Lotoli. Nomaden, that means the nomads, the nomads, the wanderer. And Latterly is a place in Tanzania where the first footsteps of mankind were found. They are three million years old, and archaeologists dig them out there in the volcano sand. 
of the Rift Valley. So it's a very famous site for anthropologists. And this novel is dealing with the beginning of mankind and the question, where does it go to? You see, there is a kind of a bow from the first to the second and the third novel. Always changes in the world. What has happened and what is maybe the prospect? I'm very interested, Eglund, in how you founded the culture blog Berg.link. You have brought that together, and that's how we met through that blog. Could you explain how this came about? Because it is an absolute place of communication. I found this blog Berglink, which means a kind of mountain link, linking the mountains, was a good friend of mine who lives in Zurich in Switzerland. And the Swiss, they are the champions of the mountains. And I live in Berlin in Prenzlauer Berg, which means so much about the mountain towards Prenzlau. Prenzlau is a little village, let's say 60 kilometers northeast from Berlin. And the mountain we are talking about, it's, let's say, 70 meters high. <laughs> it's a hill, actually, less than a hill. Because now in the city, it's almost disappeared. But we found it very funny to say from Berg, Prenzlauer Berg, to the real mountains in Switzerland. And Urs-Heinz Ernie, who is the man in Zurich, he is very, very interested in literature and nature and books and radio and so on. And so we started almost 10 years ago. It was 2011, I think. And that's a great project. Many people are taking part in it, writing there and discussing. So it's a huge community up to now. And that's the whole point of communication, isn't it? Is to bring more together and have an authentic conversation. Exactly. I looked up the definition of the word communication. According to the Meriden Webster Dictionary, it is a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. It seems simple enough, but why is communication so difficult, Eglund? You have to keep in mind that there are as many definitions of communication as maybe scientists working in this field. Generally speaking, the exchange of signals through a common code opens a wide field of communication. As I see it, it includes machines as well as individual groups or persons. And the longer I deal with it, the wider it gets. A simple example is the light from the sun. One can say that a photon, a particle of the sunlight, communicates with planets, stars on its way through the galaxy because its color is changed by gravity and electromagnetic fields. We can read this information as a result of the communication between the photon and space. Or take the ants, those tiny little creatures in the garden of your house. Ants are using pheromones to communicate with each other. Pheromones are molecules of odor. That's why, why the ants find their way to their state or to the corpse of a fly or a piece of foul leaf. And that's why communication is so complicated. It is very, very complex. And the complexity grows with the complexity of the parties involved. As human beings, our communication is much more complex than for the tiny photon or the ant. Because we communicate in a cognitive and an emotional way. With all our senses, with the spoken or written word, or even without words, by face expression, for instance. 
Silence is the most interesting part of communication, especially among human beings, because it is enriched with information. It is communication without symbols or code, but communication in its very meaning. George Bernard Shaw once wrote, "The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place." So, Eklund, how do we know if communication has taken place? How lovely that you mention Shaw. I like him very much. His question is very easy to answer. Communication always takes place between two human beings, whether they want it or not. As physical and biological beings, we are pure communication. Nobody exists outside the sphere of communication because communication is being. It begins far beyond the level of language or intellect. For instance, the German scientist Friedrich Bopp found out that DNA is radiating. It sends so-called biophotons, which give a very clear testimony of our health, physically and mentally. The double helix of the DNA is a huge molecule which works like a quartz crystal. The Guarani in the Amazon jungle, or of some natural tribes in Siberia, they can see and read this aura. DNA is corresponding between all living species in the world. You can call it intuition or the sixth sense, but it's the same. More on the surface, visible for almost everybody is body language, which is always taking place too. The stature, gestures, and certain signals of our physical body and the mental background of the person are also a social code of high importance. Another question is, and maybe this is what Shaw meant. How do we know if communication was successful in the way we intended it in a talk or in a meeting? Did the other person understand what we meant? Meaning is an important part of communication, but not the only one. Often the intentions are bigger than the possibilities of the communicative encounter. So to me, it seems the better not to expect anything. It is sen in communication. You always gain more than you expected. Be sure of it. It's very interesting, and that is why communication is always with us. Exactly, and that's why you feel so well if you go to the forest, for instance, because all the living species there they have an aura too, and it's very living and it's very close to the DNA of us because it's the same DNA. All living species in the world have the same biochemical. Molecules as their base. The whole world is is full of DNA, and it's always the same DNA. That's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting, and that is why communication is always with us. You can do what you want. <laughs> You're always communicating. Well, the idea of what you said, communication was it successful, is the more important question than did it actually occur. I completely agree with you. There are many courses on how to be a good communicator. In fact, a great communicator. You need to understand your audience. You need to adjust the message for acceptance, and all are focused on sending the message. Are we more interested in speaking than in listening? Many people think that communication is mostly speaking, chatting, or on social media. Typing for them it is one-way communication, frontal unterricht, 
as we say in German, frontal teaching. In fact, this is propaganda. This is no communication. I think real communication begins when you are ready to listen. This opens the road to the other person, to both heart and brain. It is a question of respect. In my experience, communication without this kind of respect is almost impossible. Top-down communication is a great waste of effort. So as a journalist, listening is critical to success. You must hear beyond what is being said. So how do we adopt a listening attitude? Actually, it is easy to obtain. Open your ears and talk less. One can put open questions and give the other person enough time to think about it and to answer as long as it takes. Not the factual message is in the center of communication, but the persons involved. Listening to somebody means to give up the control. Renouncing power in communication is the most important step towards real exchange of thoughts or emotions. It is the beginning of learning from each other. You know, talking is silver, but silence is gold. Listening is the first sense that human beings develop in the fetus. The ear is the medium of communication between the embryo and the mother. After birth has taken place, the ear gives the sense of balance. Without ears, we could never walk upright. So why do we want to talk? Why do we not want to listen? We seem to find talking so much more engaging. We like our opinions. We want other people to understand our opinions. In fact, this morning, I read that being nice was not a good way of conducting oneself in the office. You needed to be kind. I didn't even know the difference between nice and kind. I'm sure there is. And what I get from what you are saying is listening leads to more well-being. If we go to the forest, we listen to the wind. We listen to the birds. We listen to the trees whistling and rustling and talking to us. We feel healed. I don't go to the woods to shout or to talk or tell the trees my opinion. Of course, if you're young, if you're a child, you want to express everything immediately because you're so full of energy and you have your friends of the same age. Everybody wants to show what is inside or what is in the heart that is on the tongue too. It's a say by Meister Eckerhart, the old German priest from the medieval age. Many people, they get stuck with this idea of communication. They don't develop their communication means because I think to keep quiet and to listen is a kind of life experience. You have to learn it because we are not born with it. So I think it's the next step in communicative skills to listen to somebody and to rest on your ears and to give the other person the time to think and reflect and to answer and to give yourself the time to think and reflect and maybe to answer or not to answer. How very well said, Eglund. I think that we would have a more peaceful existence if we engaged in more listening than in speaking because we always want to persuade people. We want to nurture them, we want to protect them, and we want to make sure they understand how that should be our way. 
Whereas listening, we might find out something that's even greater and more relevant. That's why propaganda is always loud with a one-way communication. But in a modern world, which is very, very much connected and everybody all over the continents, like you and me, we are in a net and a grid of communication. This changes everything. We don't have to uh, preach propaganda anymore. We can listen to each other to make the world more peaceful, to make us more peaceful. And that's where it all starts, isn't it? It's with us. Exactly. I think Meister Eckhart would have something to say about that. He is thinking about silence and being with God in your brain and in your heart. He was one of the first priests in our Western Hemisphere and in Europe. He thought much about silence, which we actually only know from the Far East, Japanese and the Chinese priests. Uh, he was very like them. In this way, he practiced Zen. This little monk from Cologne who says, sit there and be yourself. Setz dich hin und lass dich. Sit there and be yourself. I remember him saying words that I always like to say, and it's, if the only prayer you ever said was thanks, that would be enough. And I think in silence, we find gratitude. In silence, we see inside ourselves so clearly if we just listen. Listening actually starts with us, doesn't it? I think it starts with a reduction. You don't have to be silent a week or a month like the monks in, in Japan or something like that. But a reduction of communicative goals, a reduction of wants and wishes, this seems to me to be the focal point of communication, especially in a modern world. It is the chance you have against the overflow, against the droning and the chatting and speaking and all the senseless noise of today's communication. The reduction starts with beating the fear of missing out something. As every engineer and every physicist know, the bigger and louder the noise, the smaller the information you can transmit. So shut everything that's disturbing you, TV, radio, reduce the channels you are communicating on. First of all, choose your communication partners with great care. If you can keep silence with somebody, then I think that's a real good communication. It's a good test to keep silence with somebody for some minutes, and then you will find out, is this the real person or not? And reducing the noise, for me, it marks the return to the substance, to the substantial core of communication. Then it is much easier to talk calm and to listen to the other side. You don't have to keep silence all the way, but to be calm and to be ready to listen. That's most important. Napoleon once said, Risk nothing, gain nothing. He was a warrior, a man who loved military power. But you can turn this to the good side. Risk it to switch off the noise. And you gain the silence. And perhaps you gain the whisper of wisdom. The whisper of wisdom. That is my takeaway today. Thank you, Egland. Any last thoughts as we close the conversation on communication? It also means the way you call into the forest is the way it comes back. In German we say, wie es in den Wald hineinruft, so schallt es heraus. The presumption of a calm and respectful communication is the silence inside yourself. It means the absence of fear to make a mistake or 
of not to reach your communication goals. It is the understanding that everything comes to you if time and place is right for it. You can trust yourself and trust the power of your ideas that they have a certain effect to the person you're talking to. Being without fear is the fundamental ground of respectful communication, not only with human beings, but with animals or trees too. That's part of life. It opens a complete new way of being within nature and society. Eglund, it has been a privilege to have you on Tea, Toast and Trivia. Will you come back on another discussion? I was thinking the word objectivity. I would love to, of course, because there are many myths and misinterpretations about objectivity in the media and in science, in communication generally. It could be an interesting follow-up of our talk about communication, couldn't it? It certainly could. I am excited about this. We learn it from each other very much, I think. Thank you, Eglin, for being with me today, for sharing your insights, for your generosity of spirit. We have communicated, don't you think? Marvelous, isn't it? Are you ready for the next conversation soon? I am ready. Very looking forward to it. And dear listeners, thank you for joining Eglin and me on Tea, Toast and Trivia. And thank you, Eglin, for sharing your insights on communication within a world that offers us technology for global connection. And until next time, keep safe and be well.